Welcome to the 5G Techvitory podcast, where we will explore the hottest topics in 5G with some of the industry's leading minds. Inviting me to Riga and for uh, moderating this uh, session on the metaverse. And we have a quite a good uh, and exciting panel here, so I hope that we can entertain you for one hour. Uh, that will be no challenge. Uh, and uh, let me first start by just asking for a few introductions. Uh, if you could just maybe say a few words about who you are and why you're here and uh, you're interested in metaverse. So I, I start from over there. Uh, Gattis, please. Okay. Yeah. Hello, my name is Gattis Sozos. I'm Deputy State Secretary for Digital Transformation, the ministry which is responsible for horizontal like, digital policy in Latvia. So we are, and, and we are the ministry also responsible for regional development. So we are very interested to see the development of metaverse as a concept so we could see what are the role of the government to put the regulatory things into to enable this, not to like restrict the uh, development of the metaverse. And of course, we see that uh, at the current moment, uh, municipalities play a very big role on, on piloting, on setting up the initial kind of uh, use cases. So we are here with municipalities as well. Thank you. Uh, Christina, please. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Christina Yanjiang. and the CEO of the Metaverse Institute. I started the journey of the metaverse a little bit early, since 2006 while I was doing my master dissertation using Second Life, the world's first metaverse platform, to develop international strategies for universities worldwide. And then I continue my research using digital twins, another buzzword, in the metaverse environment to simulate, optimize construction engineering architectural projects, which I completed in 2012. Currently, I'm working very closely with my colleagues, Pila and Per, etc., in the ITU, so I'm co-chairman for the ITU task group for Cityverse. So we're trying to look at how to define and develop the future of city where we put the human-centered you know, approach as everything we are doing to ensure inclusivity and sustainability. And my co-chairman is Christina from the European Commission. Very nice to meet you all. Thank you, Christina. Uh, Pilar. Okay, my name is Pilar Orero. I work at Universidad Autónoma de Barcelona and I've been working all my life on accessibility. By, by that I mean how humans communicate between each other, how humans communicate when they can't communicate. For example, if I was deaf, I wouldn't be able to communicate with you or if I was blind, I wouldn't know. So um, if I was a refugee and didn't speak the language, if I was a tourist, <coughs> So not only just people with disabilities, but people in, how do I communicate with my teenage um, son? Impossible. But anyway, this is, uh, so imagine communicating in the metaverse. But uh, anyway, that's, the, that's what I do, trying to find alternative communication. And uh, in the metaverse, where I am uh, co-chairing with Egypt, um, accessibility and sustainability, what we're trying to do is to, very early on, in fact, already are available, some um, guidelines on how to make the um, metaverse accessible for all. So what services should be deployed from day zero when you start designing the metaverse so we can communicate in different languages, uh, for example, in the metaverse. So I could speak Catalan and you could speak Swedish and would be meeting there and communicating in our different languages. Sounds very exciting. Thanks, Pilar, for the introduction. Uh, Walter, please. 
Hello, I'm, I'm very excited to be here with you uh, because I'm passionate about something. I'm passionate about applying technology to solving difficult problems in healthcare, and the metaverse gives us a platform to reach and extend that. My background is that I have a diverse background. I've somehow managed to keep five different career incarnations going. I'm a research scientist, a behavioral neuroscientist uh, focused on mental health, behavioral health. I'm also a technologist. I got involved in virtual reality technology back in 1987. I was part of the debate as to what to call it, and I lost the, I lost the vote on that. I had a different name in mind. I'm also a um, technologist focused on wearable sensors, machine learning, and analytics so that we can do a better job of diagnosing and providing therapies to people, both in person and through telemedicine. I also have founded several medical product companies with successful exits and work as a business advisor and neuroscience advisor to some of the larger healthcare networks and a few of the uh, um, medical product companies such as pharma companies and medical device companies. Excited to be here with you. Thanks, Walter. And uh, Rolf, please. Yes, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Rolf Werner. I run the European business for Nokia. And uh, Nokia is uh, probably, as you all know, for a long time an innovation leader in the B2B industry. Um, we have rebranded uh, our company just recently with, uh, you know, new colors, new logo. Not only that, it's of course the way our customers, our partners should see us uh, in a much different way, where we are saying, well, think of uh, networks of sensing, thinking and acting. Uh, that's much of a difference. It, of course, leads into the metaverse discussion we have here. And being much more than an equipment provider, we would like to yeah, create uh, the, f the future of the world and the society and how we can improve all that with the metaverse is uh, definitely great to discuss today with you here. Thank you. Thank you, Rolf. And I think that our last panelist, she is online, Martina, uh, Christina Martinez. Can you hear us? Yes, I can. Good morning, everyone. Morning. I'm sorry for the uh, slight delay. I think I had a time schedule issue. <laughs> so I'm very happy to be here with you today. Hello. Thank you. So could you just give us a short introduction of, uh, of uh, who you are? Yes, so my name is Christina Martinez. I'm the deputy head of new unit sorry, of uh, Technologies for Smart Community, which is an area supporting the development of new technologies uh, for a purpose. And that purpose is to serve uh, local authorities in Europe, but also citizens, and uh, help them uh, transform themselves into more uh, sustainable and also fit for the digital era. Uh, type of society. So we have uh, a lot of initiatives, perhaps I can explain later. Thank you. Thanks, Christina. Uh, so um, maybe I should just say a few words who I am. So my name is Per Freud. I work for Ericsson. Uh, my background is uh, in technology. I, I, I've been working a lot with video compression and immersive video. So I've been working with virtual reality and augmented reality from the technology side and standardization side for quite some time. Uh, nowadays, I lead uh, standards projects, and uh, in particular, I am the overall lead for ITU from Ericsson. And in ITU, I've been engaged for quite some time in study group 16, which is the multimedia group in ITUT. And I'm also the vice chair of this focus group on metaverse that has been mentioned a couple of times. 
but uh, we have six interesting panelists, and today we are at 5G Territory, so there will be a European focus. So what are the expectations uh, from a European side on the metaverse? Uh, any needs? And uh, we know that uh, in uh, Europe we have keywords like openness and safety and respect. So I think these are important aspects. And, uh, and it will be the standard. How do we take these into account? Also things, user rights and privacy and ethical considerations. So from a European side, this is also important when we form the metaverse. So, uh, and this is also the 5G territory. So I come from a network company, so 5G is bread and butter for us, and we have 6G in the horizon. And uh, so for, for me, I see 5G and 6G as a, a unique platform to enable the metaverse. We can build a lot on top of it. But there are so many other aspects that come into play. So I hope that we can have this diverse conversation here today. Uh, so let me start with uh, asking some questions. Uh, please, uh, Rolf. Uh, so what is the importance of getting the metaverse right uh, on smart city evolution? Yeah, well, um, interesting enough what we just heard here in the, in the former um, presentation. Uh, there was a lot mentioned about the smart cities. Um, for me, smart city and metaverse is a logical combination. It's, it's just fantastic uh, to see the way we could build up and create a digital twin as a, as a full city. And when we think about the fact that more and more people live in cities, so today there are roughly 55% of people living in cities. By 2050, it's probably 75%. And what's going to happen? You have only 2% of the Earth's surface covered by cities, if you will, and at the same time, 75% of all of the resources we're using in these cities. So a very, very condensed way of living when it comes to traffic, um, pollution, health care, all about the situation when it comes to education, uh, the way we're moving around, the way we're using public services. We saw, that. We saw all the examples just here, but I want to give you some, uh, let's say, surrounding uh, statistics there. So, us driving forward, um, the way we are using connectivity in the future, the way we could augment the reality, the way we could use the metaverse, we have um, in Nokia a few ideas about how to do that in the smart cities, which I would love to elaborate in a later stage, but I just give you the teaser here for now um, as, you know, responding to your question. But as such, I think most important is to solve the challenges we have in the future about cities and the population moving into the urban areas. Only very good connectivity is going to enable that we can live the way we live today and don't have people slipping below the poverty line, which can easily happen once you don't apply digital transformation in smart cities. Thank you, Rolf. Uh, I think maybe this would be a good time to ask Christina Martinez online. So uh, you also work with Cityverse and smart cities, I believe. So, uh, so why did the Commission coin this term Cityverse? 
Well, I think that this um, relates probably to the policy framework and the value system in which the Commission is deploying uh, this digital transformation. We wanted to have um, a description of what we call uh, the next uh, you know, web uh, uh, 4.0 technology that was um, developed around citizens and for citizens. So I think it is um, a definition that is perhaps moving away from the uh, natural evolution of technology, but looking more at how do we blend different technologies for the purpose of helping citizens to get access to better services, to better education, mm -hmm. to uh, perhaps improve healthcare systems. Um, and therefore, we wanted to, to uh, insist, and not on the city dimension, but on the citizen, um, let's say, um, uh, symbol. And uh, the Commission came with this, uh, this idea of a new uh, definition when we launched a, a project. Actually, um, it was an initiative under the Digital Europe Work Programme um, to move away from uh, the simple uh, digitalization of cities through digital twins, but to add a layer of immersiveness there. And so we came with this, uh, this nice idea, which was actually inspired by ISO and IEEE definitions on, on the fact that this could be a series of interconnected worlds representing their physical counterparts. Uh, that is very important. We're not talking here about a pure virtual world, which can offer services, goods, like gaming, social dating online, uh, you know, uh, socializing, and, and so on and so forth, within virtual environments, with digital avatars, but that would always keep this link with the physical uh, line. And so very important to now reflect on the policy impacts of a cityverse that is already benefiting of a very robust legal framework in Europe. We have a number of uh, EU legislation that is support uh, several aspects, like um, the, the Data Act or the AI Act that is uh, currently discussed with the Council. We are also uh, dealing with a very strong regulation that protects personal data and virtual worlds, or even um, rights and obligations for services and companies who are uh, who can you know use the context of Digital Services Act and the Digital Market Act to uh, to understand what are the protection and enforcement uh, issues. So we, we, we also have consumer law. I mean, we have a very robust framework, I think, that can uh, support the development of this type of initiative. But we needed to experiment about it. So this is why we've launched a call that is still open, actually, as we speak, um, in this context, which will see new projects coming on top of existing digital twins and propose services and experiments uh, also on, uh, on services and goods that can bring benefits. So for me, this is one of the most important aspects of this uh, new concept. I'll stop here, but I'm happy to take new questions if you want. Thank you, Christina. Yeah, I'm sure we will get back to you later. I'm, I'm very happy that you can join us even if you are online. Uh, so while we are on the government level, let me move over to Gatis. So you represent uh, the Latvian government. And uh, so, so, um, so what is the standpoint from your government uh, on the concept of the metaverse? Or um, are there any measures you take to foster the development of the metaverse? Or if you could elaborate on that, please. Yeah, of course. I think when we speak about metaverse, we can speak it in two modes. Like one mode is like we, we speak of uh, 
in the narrow sense of some specific applications that was mentioned like in specific sectors like medicine or military or, or even the city. And then the, the other one on the broader scale, maybe we see at, as a next generation interaction, it's more like technology, it's way how we add additional layer or, or, or fabric to our so social like communication matters when we can go uh, across the different use cases, across the different uh, metaverses or cityverses, and, and, and see it as a, like a second uh, or 3D internet where physical, uh, physical things are real in, uh, in, in persistent in digital uh, kind of environment and vice versa where digital things are persistent in the physical environment all the time. So it, we can talk in, in, in both of those concepts. I, I think at the first one we are already doing some piloting and doing some pilots and that's very good. Uh, and, and of course we have to strive for this universal kind of uh, general kind of application. I, I believe that there will be more, more natural to use it as a augmented reality use case rather than pure uh, virtual reality, but, but we'll see, we'll see. Uh, from government perspective point, I think that uh, we have to uh, be ready. Technology comes, we, we, we can do uh, something, we, we, we cannot also uh, do nothing, but technology will come. I think uh, the previous discussions about lay laying foundations on principles, that's one important uh, thing uh, like uh, for government, uh, so that we start from, uh, the, from the scratch the things in the right, uh, in the right way. Uh, for metaverse, like to achieve this second, uh, more like a general approach on metaverse, I think it's important to have these uh, interoperability issues uh, to be like tackled already from the beginning. And, and to see that there is uh, a sharing and interoperability aspects taken in, into account. Of course, government's role is also to put this uh, strategic priority, conceptualize, and that, that's, I'm happy that we have in EU this memorandum and communication on metaverse. We, last year, during the 5G territory, we also signed a memorandum of understanding of local uh, ecosystem or uh, city, uh, city of Riga, there are infrastructure providers, uh, government uh, and, and, and other participants which are ready to cooperate for uh, and engage uh, on, on, on metaverse de development. And today we have ITU workshop later uh, during the day. Of course, the government has to be open-minded for regulation, future-proof regulation. We, we see that a lot of things we can apply. Maybe we need to just extrapolate this to the metaverse or digital environment, but still this uh, will uh, require some, uh, some uh, legal uh, kind of um, creativity. Uh, and I think it's very important that government uh, takes this into account, uh, just not, uh, not to fast regulate, but to enable by the regulation the possibility and, and we see that also for the so specific uh, use cases we have in uh, cities, we need maybe local level of regulation to put in place. Um, of course, funding support, uh, funding and support, the different initiatives. The commission already mentioned there are calls open uh, and there are different, we have to pull different resources on local government, on regional. We have like a Baltic Sea region projects uh, tackling this issue and also EU so we can uh, work on those issues because uh, at the moment they are not bringing uh, benefits or fruits, so we're still in the piloting phase, so there is important to have this f financing. Uh, and, um, and, and also different kind of other su support that we can provide from government side. We, we see that on, in Latvia, for example, in municipal level, we have uh, city of Kuldiga, 
They have a piloting project on uh, arts and uh, cultural heritage uh, in, in, in a virtual environment or, or uh, we have uh, on uh, Ministry of Defense supporting and cooperation with our uh, telecom operator LMT that uh, 5G uh, virtual reality, uh, augmented reality test site, military test site developed. So government can contribute also without maybe financing, but uh, supporting those initiatives. And of course, uh, capacity building education skills, we have to rethink what are we providing for our citizens. We had discussions that uh, we have a challenge of basic digital skills, but now we have to also like cross and also think about, uh, about the skills how people would have in, uh, in the metaverse to develop those applications and also to use. So we didn't uh, create additional like a meta gap. We have digital gap, so we don't need a meta gap. We need to take into account it. And, uh, and of course, standardization uh, cooperation, because uh, if we speak about these digital environments, they are not any more local. If we speak about uh, property rights and such things, we have to go global from the beginning. So standardization, cooperation on, uh, on international level is essential from the government side, I believe. Thank you, Gatis. So maybe uh, from, um, so how, how does all this happen? So Christina uh, here in the room, Yang Zhang, uh, could you maybe explain for us sort of what are the emerging technologies that, um, that can help the metaverse to achieve its full potential in the EU? I think there is a quite a wide range of like, technologies which are converging at the points we are speaking. But I think it's really important that uh, I echo the minister's points. How we clearly define the metaverse is still a question a lot of people keep on asking all the time. And for us, I really think the metaverse is the next generation of the internet where it's more immersive, interactive, and intuitive. It's a place with decentralized power to allow the citizen, as my colleague uh, Christina has mentioned in the European Commission, how we really meet the increasing needs of our people to put them at the center of any kind of digital future we are developing is absolutely crucial. And at this moment, there are many different layers of the metaverse. And I would say, traditionally, we say public-private partnership but maybe for the metaverse vision for Europe, we can have a people, public, private, and planet partnership. So that will be 4P. We need to look at how we meet the needs of individual citizens and also ensure when we develop the future is not at the cost of our sustainable future. So I think that's quite important. And there are quite a few interesting technologies which are helping to address this issue. And uh, the first thing is we really need more immersive user interface, which people can really interact 24-7. I mean, VR handset is amazing, and I absolutely love it. But I mean, if I wear it for like more than one hour, I, I start to feel a little bit dizzy, I got headache. So maybe that's not you know, immersive and comfortable enough. What else can we do? Of course, I mean, Apple has this Vision Pro coming out, which is very exciting, and everyone's talking about it. And, uh, but what's even more exciting at this moment is championed by a gentleman called Elon Musk. We know in June this year, his brain-computer interface, Neuralink, has eventually got 
the approval from the U.S. government to start human trial. Of course, a lot of brain-computer interface at this moment is mainly to do with like medical conditions. So if you suffer from like Alzheimer's and uh, you are blind and you lost your mobility and you want to regain part of the function, which through traditional medicine, you know, or surgery is impossible. So that kind of area is quite frontier for lots of countries. And uh, we all know he's not the first person to try to do it. There is another company in the United States with um, investment backing from Jeff Bezos of Amazon and Bill Gates from Microsoft. So they're looking at non-invasive brain-computer interface where using, they use graphing to connect the neural links and uh, provide like, people who lost their mobility to be able to gain mobility again which is really amazing. But the latest development in the field is actually developed by a group of top scientists in China, by Tsinghua University. So they actually develop a system where you can put the brain-computer interface in your inner ear without any surgery at all, but it can achieve the same kind of mechanism, which is really impressive. And I know, Walter, you're working on like mental health for many years. Another really interesting thing I noticed is there are some top hospitals in China. They use brain-computer interface to treat a serious depression with 60% like increase of performance of the patients, which is quite impressive. So maybe in the future, when it becomes non-invasive, just like my pearl earring, we can wear it, or maybe our like, uh, Fitbits, everyone can wear their own like, immersive technology without the concern we need to wear something which is less intuitive. So that's the first thing we think can be really powerful. The second bit, which is getting very interesting as we are all talking about, computing power. I remember a report from Intel mentioned two years ago, in order to achieve the full potential of the metaverse, we need at least another 1,000 times computing power. So where do we find that? Obviously, I mean, the previous panel talking about various, like, developments in that space. But also, we know quantum computing is like providing really tangible solution in the space. I remember in 2019, when Google announced they achieved quantum supremacy, they developed this computer, which can run like 160 million times faster than any supercomputer we have at this moment. And that means like for something really complicated in the past, it will require 10,000 years to calculate. Now it's only four minutes. But what's even more striking is the second generation, which was announced this year. And that latest version is even 200 million times than the previous version four years ago. So you can see the technology is advancing in a way which has been never possible before. So there is something really interesting here. Bosch, we know, is a huge like, uh, technology giant based in Germany with global presence. And they become the world's first technology company to champion the idea of creating a quantum digital twin on their global operation to connecting more than 250,000 devices to optimize their whole operations with quite significant results, 25% like efficiency increase. Consider there are 88 billion you know, annual turnover. So we're talking about 20 billion you know, annual improvement, which is quite significant. And how we can deploy that, um, what my colleagues, uh, Christina in the EU and also like Nokia, we're talking about Cityverse. That would be quite significant, 
right? And, and I'll say the third area we are all very concerned is, uh, and excited is AI. Because most of our people are saying, like, generative AI actually, you know, take away all the investment and excitement about metaverse since it's, in, since it's like, you know, like rise in November last year. But what's really happening is actually quite contrary. A recent report from Sequoia Capital noticed that when we develop, you know, Pomp using text-to-text, generative AI-related like technology. Now the latest development is more than just text-to-image, text-to-video, but start to be text-to-3D objects, avatars, environments, which means generative AI start to become the most powerful building block for the whole metaverse digital twin ecosystem at scale, which allows us to build in a way which is faster, cheaper, and easier than never before. And my final point, is we are all concerned about environment impact. And we know currently there has been lots of debates and saying how far should we run in the simulation of metaverse and how's that like environment impact, especially running like very powerful computer and the data center, etc. And I'm very delighted to report that actually again it's uh, from our colleagues in European Commission. You guys have have this really amazing idea to provide like 2 million euro funding to looking at how we can put the data center in the outer space to reduce the carbon emission because we all know in the outer space the degree, the temperature is like freezing cold. So that's ongoing to about April next year. And also another thing which I find really fascinating everyone's talking about is nuclear fusion. We all know that with that in power, we actually can produce like uh, carbon emission-free electricity, which can potentially power the whole planet by another 10,000 years. If we can achieve that, a lot of discussion we talk about sustainability can be solved. But we need to be a little bit patient, and we need to wait till about 2030. So what else can we do? And then Microsoft and Harvard, MIT, and also some of the top universities in like, Europe, they have come together to create a consortium to looking at how to use DNA to store data. And there has been a number of publications on Nature magazine to looking at how we can commercialize that from now to about in the next five years. And what was really significant, one professor who is leading that project in MIT basically said, DNA is the most reliable and energy-efficient data storage materials we can find on planet Earth. You might remember we all watched the movie Jurassic Park, where how it all started is like uh, we extract the DNA of the dinosaur from the mosquitoes in the amber, and then it's stored for more than yeah. hundreds of years. So I think there are like lots of things we can do now to really empower the whole metaverse ecosystem and make our people happy, make our society prosperous. Thank you. Thank you. So, wow, I'm almost overwhelmed. There are so many emerging technologies <laughs> happening, and you really scared me when you, when you suggested surgery. I, I'm not ready for that yet. <laughs> so let's hope that we can interact with the metaverse through these uh, inserts in the ear instead, or maybe contact lenses or glasses. Or, earring. Yeah. Or, or earring, 50. yes. Yeah.
So with all these technologies, that, I mean, um, so how do we counterpart this? There are so many other aspects. It's not just technology. So, so here, um, I would like to talk, maybe I start with Pilar. Um, so how can we guarantee that this metaverse uh, promotes the EU principles? And I'm talking about diversity. I'm talking about things related to people, language, culture, all the other I don't know if soft is the right word, but all the other aspects from the EU, EU I, I know hard. if you could elaborate <laughs> on this. <laughs> Those are hard problems. Well, well that's, that's <laughs> almost impossible. The, the nice thing uh, about Europe is that we are united in diversity. Now, how you translate that into the metaverse, I think, is challenging. Everything that you said is fantastic, but um, nowhere the human is there. I mean, the human... We've heard before that it was 50% of Europeans don't have access to digital. So imagine how many percent of Europeans have access to the metaverse. Um, and, and probably it will get worse. So rather than having a, an open metaverse, we must go for a welcoming metaverse. So I think the metaverse has got to make an effort, a really good effort to understand who are we, not as personas, not as these stereotypes of humans that uh, then uh, they can uh, design and create uh, systems, but really as who we are. And I think artificial intelligence ha can help a lot to understand who are you, who are you when you enter the mm. metaverse, how you interact with a head-mounted device, how you activate the head-mounted device, how you activate the media player. And by these activations, with preserving the data, sort of because in Europe they were terrible, you have to be very careful with the data and the data protection. So how, uh, how does the human activate uh, and interacts every time that it has to go through head-mounted display with the media player, with, yeah? Um, learn who is the human at that moment and how does the human can interact. Uh, I think we must have a welcoming, not just open, a welcoming, diverse, metaverse where all of us can be represented by gender, by culture, by language, by uh, all that in each uh, moment. Because it is not the same when I am in my lab with my eye tracker calibrating it than when I am watching a Formula One uh, thing on the television. My, my brain doesn't work the same. I am not the same persona. So though you might have um, tagged me as this 60-year-old fat Spaniard. I am not, because I might be that good at Formula One, and you didn't know that. So at each time, you behave in a different way. Um, I don't know if to say anything else. I think we have to... Something good that we have done at ITU is, I said that before, we've already created some sort of basic guidelines on how to take into consideration humans and develop, whatever you are developing, develop it, but taking into account that you are developing that for a human, the human has got to interact in an intuitive way, yes, but has to eventually get in, otherwise the gap is going to be bigger, broader, uh, we are going to be undiverse, we're going to be... So we don't want this metaverse that is just for a few young, people, because that's what the data, I mean, you're creating a database, sorry, you're creating, you're creating a, a metaverse modeled on large data. 
But in fact, the, the interesting bit is in the disaggregated data. That's the spice, that's the salt of the earth. So I think it's the disaggregated data that is going to make the, this diverse metaverse in Europe. Let's be positive. It's yes. going to be fantastic. And I'll be very old and I'll be in the metaverse having great parties with my friends and I won't have solitude and I will feel lonely and uh, it will be really comforting and, and great. But I need to get in and I need to interact and I need to be able to do that. So please create a metaverse for humans. Don't talk about this. Uh, no. Think of the humans that we are going to enter the metaverse. That's my... Thank you, Pilar. I'm really happy that you are fighting for diversity and the humans here, because we also have to have that side of the equation. Thank it you. It is going to uh, resolve. And uh, so, uh, so this is also an aspect, Walter, for you. So there are so many inherent aspects of the metaverse that uh, really make it difficult for us to maintain the standards that we are used to in terms of privacy, safety, and respect for an honest discourse. So uh, maybe could you elaborate on challenges or possible ways to reduce such harm or risks? Absolutely. And uh, we're working hard on some of the issues. <laughs> it's really a matter of good design. And Sometimes you need incentives to go further on your design the right way. So, Absolutely. And, and we are and so guidance. intelligent. Why don't we do it? We will. Thank we you. Will. With, with <laughs> input. Um, to answer your question, I think there is a big issue that we have yet to really come up with effective solutions on. And that's the nonverbal communication that we need to build into the, universe, into the metaverse for us to interact effectively with each other. We convey so much with facial expressions, body language, also through voice tone, and that often can get stripped away. And one of the reasons Zoom calls, uh, video conferencing calls have been stressful for people is we don't have the usual dynamics of not just looking straight at a person, but really scanning the room. Uh, it's limited our ability to communicate with each other in a non-stressful manner. And as we move to the metaverse, we need to make sure our representations can convey uh, our emotions and also other aspects that we want to convey to other people clearly, yet we will also have the ability to filter that if we choose to. Right now, if I meet someone in uh, the metaverse, they probably look like a bit of a robot. They may not have their whole body. They certainly don't have good facial expressions and communication in a sophisticated manner. I'm excited by the fact that we are now developing the new tools that will look at uh, eye gaze, facial expression, uh, voice tone, and we can use it for very effective assessments and interventions in the field of mental health and behavioral health. So all too long we've been limited by paper and pencil testing or asking someone a question about how they're feeling and how they're doing. We haven't until recently had the objective measurements of emotional status and cognitive status. We need to, uh, Pilar, to your point, be able to adapt the, our refrigerators, our automobiles, our metaverse to our status, our goals, our predilections. However, the algorithms, the analytics, um, the ways that we will be doing this are also going to put us in the position that data can be used to sell us things, that data can be used to um, interfere with our behavior, that data can be used in an adverse way by people that are 
how to not uh, support our individuality and our priorities. So we have to start by designing right now the right way to leverage the power of the technologies we need to develop on that side of the metaverse, yet also protect it so it's not overused. And Pilar, to your point about the data, I think um, we will certainly be using a, a federated uh, data management approach to taking all this very important information of effective and cognitive state and share it so that we can use it diagnostically for what we're calling precision mental health, precision healthcare. But we also need to make sure that that data is under our control, have our own agency over our data. Uh, there are structures that need to be put in place uh, to incentivize people to share data for the good of healthcare, for the good of the community, but also to make sure that it's uh, super protected. And I do worry with an aging population, uh, we have maybe 10, maybe 15 years before a worse economic crisis than global warming will hit. And that's the cost of supporting an aging population with uh, three out of every seven of us having a neurodimensional disease. As we live longer with smaller family sizes, we're going to have an economic catastrophe unless we can leverage technologies that we are going to use to build the metaverse to support people aging in place so they can play Formula 7 racing as long as they'd like. So there's great opportunities for taking the building blocks of the metaverse and applying it to difficult problems, but there's also great risk. And I think what we often do not focus on is building that way of having our own identity be protected, yet be able to share the parts of our identity as we choose to other people with the right filters, the right customization. And we really have not had a chance to do the effective building blocks on that. In addition to the challenge of dealing with an aging population and smaller family sizes, we also have another pandemic on the way, and that's the mental health pandemic. Many of our children uh, went through a very stressful time, as, as many of us did, but they did not have an opportunity to play with other children as much as they should have, develop the social, emotional learning skills they needed to have. And there's a huge epidemic, we already see it in the children's hospitals, of anxiety and depression in our youth. So how can we leverage the building blocks of the metaverse, design it so that we can support uh, mental health and wellness, and also make sure that the data that we are collecting to do that is used uh, and protected effectively. It's, uh, it's a challenge, um, but I think uh, meetings like this will help us move to that. And, and I, look, I, I, I feel that Europe, in particular, has set the standard for looking at these issues, and I'm so excited to be learning from you as I'm here today. Thanks, Walter. I think that's a lot of food, 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 food for thought. Uh, something that we need to consider, and not only the technology, so uh, very good aspects. Uh, and I tell you something that I just thought. Do you remember 10, 20 years ago when, when we bought anything that it was uh, digital, that it was the plug and, and play? And it became plug and pray because it never worked. Right. Mm. Let's hope the metaverse <laughs> is not a plug and pray, but I welcome you because he knows that you're coming in. And yeah, so this pl plug and pray, we have to try not to avoid it. I, I think we need to look to our storytellers, to our creative teams. Uh, one of the powers, I think, of technology as applied to healthcare, to design of cities, to yeah. any of our hard problems, 
is we need to make it fun. We need to make it interesting. We need to put a layer of storytelling on top of it. Absolutely. In order to be attractive and welcoming, we need to have... Uh, and it could be such a fantastic tool, such a fantastic ecosystem, environment, for all of us to be there. Uh, not just the video, the game players, but for us uh, to inhabit and, and have a... I, I see it as a fantastic time if I am allowed in if I am welcomed in, if I don't have to plug and pray anything, because that would be terrible. It would be like going back again, you know? We haven't learned anything. Well, I, I think that um, one of the things that we have learned is how to uh, attract people and get them addicted to something. Absolutely. And what, what we need to do Absolutely. is understand how that yes. works yes. and make sure as we design for inclusiveness and attractiveness to bring people in, that we also designed to make sure that it's something that is a part of supporting a healthy life and an interconnected life in a good way and does not cause the downstream problems of mm -hmm. uh, anxiety, depression, yeah. other issues that can, unless we design for, will be built into our system. Can I add a point there? Sure, of course. Only if it's a nice one. Yes. I'm very, <laughs> I'm very I'm I'm positive. No brain surgery. <laughs> I'm a very positive person. Good. So don't worry about that. Uh, I think it's very interesting. We, we talk a lot about how we address the aging society through metaverse. And um, I mean, the previous panel talking about how actually on the individual citizens level, we can use avatar to allow them to see if they live a more responsible consumption lifestyle, say they eat less red meat and maybe you know, they exercise a little yeah. bit more, if that's going to allow them to see how they look like in five, ten years' time, if they eat 20% less, yeah. you know, like uh, non-healthy foods, and they are going to look much younger, and they can see that, I think that will be really powerful we've, using digital twins. We've done some work on that at, at our research lab, um, creating an avatar of your future self. And you can have a dialogue with your future self. You can put uh, information dynamically about your exercise, your, your activity levels, who you're socializing with, how much money you're making or how much money you're spending, how much alcohol you're drinking. All that information can be given to your future self. But what if I don't want to be that? What if my <laughs> avatar is a, a very tall, blonde man? Yes. <laughs> but you, but how would you know that I am not me? Right, but you get to design your future self, and that's the point, is we can give you feedback. I can to design help you. my future self as that. Yeah. So on, on that, on that note, uh, play and pray and <laughs> teach yourself, and are we all blonde, tall people? Yes, and, uh, with lots so, of hair. And I, actually, I want to connect to Rolf, uh, because... Uh, I'm not uh, tall, blonde. No, but, uh, <laughs> but I want to ask you, will the, met <laughs> but I could be, you know. will the metaverse replace the physical world? Well, good question. Good First question. of all, I'd like, to, I'd like to elaborate on what you just said when it comes to... Um, you know, protecting mental health. Um, we've all been, since it was a global, uh, of course, phenomenon uh, in, the, in the pandemic days uh, and years, of course. And I recall there was a big discussion around in how far, you know, children are still able to maintain their social interactions. And I give you the example of, because you just mentioned a teenage son, how to communicate. Um, Usually they sit there, they eat, they do sports, they come home, they don't talk much. <laughs> but, you know, the way I have observed it um, in the pandemic days was 
my son being extremely communicative whilst he had the headphones on in the, with the PlayStation in three languages, by the way. So he's bilingual um, from the family and he also speaks English. So I was like, who do you speak to? Because I thought he was about, it was about the game as such, but I was not aware he's communicating whilst he was playing with maybe 10, 12, 15 kids at the same time worldwide. And I said, that's amazing. He even found friends in these days he could meet after, you know, we were coming out of the, the lockdown. So that supported big time to, you know, get away from the problems of maybe not having social interactions, which, uh, of course, if you go beyond that, the metaverse will help, then you have avatars, they can meet there. It's much faster because they maybe don't have to commute, they can do homework at home, and, of course, then can do other stuff whilst they're online. So, so these are possibilities for the children, and of course it will provide the possibilities for elderly people then to get into the metaverse and, you know, play chess, do this, play cards and so forth. And the whole thing depends on in how far all of these devices which you <laughs> mentioned will be applied. So, I, I, by the way, I really love the discussion here, so it's yeah. amazing. We should ask the other <laughs> thanks Thank to you. the policies. Uh, of yes. course, <laughs> the policies we need as well. We yes. need definitely. So, and coming back to your question, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, thank you, Rolf. Uh, and thanks, everyone. You, well, you need you, network. You gave, you gave you a good them. example of yeah. um, cr uh, cross-cultural connectivity yeah. and yeah. breaking through economic and okay. age barriers yeah. through through the metaverse. Correct, correct. So no, it's true. So I, I think I'm back. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so while we are talking about all these use cases and your your kid is talking to people all over the world, so if I hand it back to the commission, my, uh, Christina, are you still with us? Uh, so. <laughs> From your side. I'm very carefully listening. To yes. <laughs> so, uh, from, from your side, uh, what are the promising use cases for the metaverse? Or the cityverse, maybe, in your Th case? Thank you for your question. If I may, I'd like to perhaps react to what I've heard uh, previously, um, because I think it's important that we frame also this discussion into what we have in Europe. Um, and this is perhaps the promotion time for me. I would like to sell the strategy that the European Commission has released in July. Uh, because I think it's very, uh, it's making a lot of important points uh, that were mentioned today regarding the way we want to, uh, you know, embrace this transformation of our society and offer all these exciting opportunities to elderly and young people at the same time. Um, we need to be mindful that there are a number of challenges ahead. Uh, that these challenges will have to do not only with the legislation that I mentioned previously, but also with the number of technical choices that we will have to make, and we will need to be uh, very, you know, uh, sensitive to the design of those technologies. Uh, we're of course supporting an open, decentralized approach uh, on the uh, on the future, let's say, solutions, networks, protocols, and uh, and, and standards that will be. Uh, you know, created out of these new necessary technologies because we heard before they still need to evolve and huh? we're not there yet. So um, for me, what, what it means is that we need to have a very strong coordination at European level, uh, work hand in hand with the industry and uh, um, make sure that we have the, a common understanding of what are those um, key elements in terms of openness, in terms of fairness, in terms of access to the technology, 
and, um, and this starts with the design. So the discussions that are taking place at this moment um, uh, are very important because we're defining together what would be those open standards and those open architectures that we would love to use as the foundation for these future cityverse um, environments. Now coming to your, um, and, and by the way, I think it is very important perhaps to look at the citizen panel conclusions that are defining eight core values for the uh, future virtual world and for the cityverse. Um, this is a very nice initiative actually that was promoted by the Commission and the GRC, our Joint Resource Centre, trying to consult citizens at the onset of our policy definition. And they decided, after having very uh, long and, and passionate conversations uh, about what the cityverse and what virtual world should be for us, in the specific cultural, social, environmental context. They have defined uh, eight values that I would like to, to read for you. The first one is freedom of choice. The second one is sustainability. We don't forget the other goals, uh, sustainable development goals. Um, of course, they have to be human-centered. They have to also mentioned health as a very important uh, pillar of the development of virtual worlds. Education and literacy, we've, we've mentioned this before, safety and security, because uh, there's a lot of issues related to data, of course, transparency in the regulations, but also in the aspects that have to do with access to personal data, sorry, psychological and physical uh, impacts, the use of data by third parties and so on, and finally inclusion. So I think that um, these are already very good elements to, let's say, steer the design of the technologies and, and to make informed choices when it comes to regulating and when it comes to adopting those standards. And so now coming to use cases, um, because we are working in the area of smart cities, um, uh, we see a lot of potential, of course, for um, providing public services, for providing cultural services, um, to support education, uh, not only uh, in school but also love, long li uh, you know, life education, uh, professional education opportunities. We think that there will be a lot of interesting use cases in the area of industry. Uh, we know already that they were, by the way, uh, very advanced in this, in this domain and, and most of the technology that we're using to develop the cityverse is actually coming from uh, the industry digital twin um, sector. We also hope that, uh, as we heard before, that in the uh, health sector, um, this technology will promote you know, uh, a safer and perhaps it will avoid a surgery when not necessary. So um, this is the type of use cases that uh, we confront with digital, with our Digital Europe program. We're, by the way, building a, a digital thing for of the human body, which is a very, very challenging uh, uh, project, but probably not as challenging as the one of the digital of uh, digital planets. So we are also um, developing and funding together with the European Space Agency and with the other agencies in Europe, which have to do with the Copernicus and the uh, weather and climate uh, sectors. Uh, we're building what we call a digital replica of Earth, called Destination Earth, which will help us um, to develop you know, uh, new knowledge and hopefully develop new scenarios and, and algorithms to understand what is coming. And all that, uh, hopefully in the future, will be connected to all these digital environments that we are funding through the smart cities uh, program. So altogether, 
um, trying to keep a link with the physical um, environment, trying to make sense uh, out of this technology, so uh, always making sure that it will bring benefits and that we can measure those benefits ex ante. So let's not forget the necessity to come up with indicators to measure the well-being uh, that Pilar was uh, um, you know, calling, uh, or to measure the impact on education, to measure the impact on social inclusion, to make sure that we indeed have all the ages represented in this uh, uh, all the reading in Europe. So this is uh, just to give you a number of elements which I think can also contribute to the debate and make sure that not only industry but member states align together uh, behind this vision of, uh, of a much more, um, let's say, citizen-centric uh, type of technology. Thank you, Christina. And uh, so may maybe I pass the word over to our hosts. Uh, so from the Latvian perspective, do you have any initiatives or maybe do you see a call for action to either the metaverse ecosystem or the industry? How do we make all this happen? Yes. Thank you. Uh, first of all, I, I very like this our discussion because we have this discussion of bones and the soul. Not only about the bones, if we take like a human, a, a pure biological organism, it would be one discussion, but now we have this and, and, and I think, uh, I believe that uh, we, we discuss it, those ecosystems which form the, how we develop the ecosystem. We, we, we mentioned uh, the, the, the cities, uh, the service providers, and so I think that one thing that we have to put more attention to is those so social, social science aspects, bring those people very close to this development, and, uh, and the anthropologists, social science. We, we have also an example that in Latvia, one of the youth uh, psychologists used virtual reality to uh, like uh, to love uh, young people more in engage with in discussions uh, and so they have they had like a better um, performance when they use this technology in some of the cases mm. so uh, but in Latvia yes we uh, as I mentioned we uh, in previous year we started this uh, memorandum of understanding and we we see that there are different partners which are uh, very eager to participate from the industry telecom side uh, from uh, also, the, the companies which work as, uh, in the fields as a virtual reality for medicine, for, for, for military uh, health, like uh, uh, or, or the test side that I mentioned, where it's more about how uh, augmented reality can assist in, in, uh, in, in helping uh, um, to, to, to do some like uh, care repairing and, and such things like that. And, but, but where it uh, all comes together, I think it's in specific like use cases, pilot cases. And we're happy that we have some several municipalities that are very eager to participate. Uh, uh, the Riga municipality, also the Kuliga, which is doing some things. And so we are, we, we are uh, happy uh, and open for, for uh, different partners to come together and to see how, what we can make together and, and how we can uh, kind of, uh, develop this uh, ecosystem further in, uh, using specific use cases uh, already in Latvia. Thanks. Thanks, Katis. So we don't have so much more time, so short answers. Christina, what are the challenges that we need to address now? Accessibility inclusion. And uh, I'm delighted to announce, actually, Pila and myself, we have been working together to uh, get a Metaverse for All survey approved by the ITU and a big thanks to our ITU colleagues. So that's going to be made publicly available next week. So I would like to encourage and invite all of you to participate to see how we can use technology 
to address the digital divides between people from different cultural backgrounds, from different age groups, because we really want to maximize the positive impact of technology like Metaverse to benefit all of us for a beautiful society moving forward. So thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Christina. Pilar. I want to have labels. Labels developed for indicators, as Christina was saying. So if I access internet, sorry, if I access metaverse, uh, I would know how trustful it would be. So I would have, I don't know, ticks or red. Well, I hope they don't put green and red because 10% of men are uh, colorblind. So I hope the metaverse avoids green and red. So that's the first thing that it would be an intelligent metaverse, <laughs> which is or, or individually adjustable. Well, yeah. or individually adjustable. But labels, labels that I know that it is very interactive. Labels that I know that it is, you know, labels that inform people on what is that I am consuming. Labels that I would tell me that uh, you are a very a verified avatar. Or you are not a very fine. Come on. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know who I'm talking to. Yes. Of so, am I, am I, are you a verified avatar? Then I'm, am I interacting with a verified avatar? Or am I interacting with a chatbot from who I don't know where is it from and I don't know who is, you know, where is the information coming from? Pilar, one day I think you don't care. <laughs> But with all these, with no, all these aspects, <laughs> honestly, you will probably talk to bots which you yeah. like better than humans. Well, that, I mean, if you knew my son, I, you would agree to that okay. now. Okay, no, I, I don't, no, no, I don't think so. <laughs> okay, so we are, we are getting very close. So as a last exercise, I ask you panelists to close your eyes, close your eyes. <laughs> That means <laughs> these. <laughs> and then, could you just imagine how many years until the metaverse has reached mass market? And could you hold up the number of fingers from both your hands, maybe? How many years until metaverse has reached mass market? What's online, please? <laughs> Thank you. So we have, a, um, we, we, we have some time still to work on this to make it right. And uh, so I want to invite everyone that is not participating in the focus group on Metaverse. It's run by the ITU, and as we heard by Christina, the counselor earlier, it's the largest group actually working on the Metaverse currently. It's free for all. It doesn't cost anything. It's open to all and uh, it's run by the ITU. So please welcome, and I want to thank all my panelists for this very interesting and partially lively debate. Thank you very much. <laughs> fair, fair, fair. Fair. Um, some of us did close the eyes, so what was the average number? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I, do, I do have a background in math, uh, so <laughs> I should be able to calculate an average. I just wasn't able to record all the numbers, but I saw everything from, I think, Christina, you were on the lower end. Ten years. Oh, you were ten years? Yeah. Okay, because I saw ten years down at I even the commission. I had ten years. I had ten. Okay. I said yeah. yes. You said I, how much? It was Walter. Wow. Yeah. We're there now. Okay, oh. so okay. Uh, mass market, another decade, I think. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you to the panel and to the pair himself and the moderator.